Welcome to the Network Marketing Heroes Podcast, hosted by 40-year network marketing veteran, author of best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 with Your Hair on Fire, and world-renowned speaker, Richard Bliss Brook. When it comes to success in network marketing, who better to learn from than leaders who have actually done it? Listen as Richard interviews top leaders and gives you a behind-the-scenes look at how they did it. You'll get incredible tips and duplicable actions you can do right now to build your own four-year career. Stay tuned after this episode for an exclusive discount code to get 10% off Richard's easy-to-use tools that will help propel your network marketing business to the next level at blissbusiness.com. Hey, everybody. We're Richard Blissbrook here with yet another global influencer interview. I have the opportunity today to interview one of my favorite people in the world because of the work that she does and how she does it. This is Kendra Hall, New York Times bestselling author of Stories That Stick. From her home in New York City, say hi, Kendra. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I've had the opportunity to be in the audience three or four times in the last 10 years as Kendra told us as marketing experts and business owners about the value of storytelling. And I so love it when somebody talks about their work, and they do it in a way that actually demonstrates the work. <laughs> so right. when, when you have an opportunity to listen to Kendra speak um, or listen to her talk about her work or how to tell stories, one of the things that you're going to discover is that she's going to teach you how to do this remarkable art by doing the art. <laughs> and there's such great authenticity in that. Kendra, I I just want to, I've told you before, but I'll tell you again, that's why you're one of my favorite people is you walk the walk and you're highly authentic and you just don't teach people how to do stuff. You are the stuff <laughs> and the right stuff. <laughs> so I'm going to start Kendra, by asking you to tell a story. Oh, <laughs> surprise! Surprise! <Yeah>. So <laughs> I'm taking uh, requests, Richard. Which, which story would you like today? Well, you know, I was reading a little bit in preparation of our interview, and I read this little story, and I was thinking, oh, I should tell that story about Kendra. And then, of course, I took a shower where I get my better inspiration. I thought, well, that's dumb. Why would I tell that story? How about? I have Kendra tell that story. Yes. So would you start people off by telling them, um, well, you can, you know, start off by giving us, give us a broad brush. Who are you today and what are you doing? Like, I, I know you're speaking all over the world and you're working with Fortune 100 clients and you're now a best-selling author and you got this great consult consulting company and a couple of wonderful kids. Give us that. Give us your 
one minute current bio. Who's that Kendra current, Hall these days? That current bio, I know it's um, well, like you said, everything that you said. So my primary work, well, no, I wouldn't even say primary anymore. It really has split into about three like key areas. I do a lot of keynote speaking. Um, and, and what's really exciting about it is it's across so many different industries. So I'll be speaking in tech and then it'll be education. And then like one day I was speaking for um, TPAs, which is a, an even narrower um, category of like CPAs. Uh, oh. Wow. Right. So and I, I speak for direct selling. So so I do a lot of keynote speaking. Um, and as different as all those industries are, it really comes down to the same thing, like how powerful each individual person who's sitting in that audience, their stories really are. If they were to just shift their thinking to what a story is and, and what their stories are capable of. So that's one big bucket of what I do um, is travel around the country, travel around the world, teaching people about storytelling. And I, I love it. I actually had somebody ask me just the other day. She said, a friend of mine, she's like, you know, my end game, her and her husband's end game is to work really hard right now so that they can retire early. Um, and she said, but I don't really understand what your end game is. And I said, I think that's like, I don't want there to be an end game. I know there are a lot of people who are like, well, eventually I want to get off the road, but I really don't. Um, I love, I love being able to speak. So, so that's one big category. And then the second big area is now as an author, um, as much as I love speaking live, I, I think there's a, you can only speak to so many audiences right? Um, so to be able to write books now that take this message and spread it to an even broader audience has been really thrilling for me. So so Stories That Stick was just published um, in September of 2019. We're already working on book number two. All right. So, so that's in process. And then the third big bucket is as a storytelling consulting workshop firm. So we're constantly, we're working at new research studies about, about the power of storytelling and the different facets of that. We host our own workshops to teach the methods that I teach in the book. Again, also that, also that you don't need me. Like I want you to, I want to be able to equip people to know how to tell their stories so they don't, they don't need me anymore, which I know it sounds kind of it's kind of the same approach I take to parenting, but I hear from my mother who I just talked to yesterday that your children always need you. So I have that, I have that to look forward <laughs> to, I suppose. And then of course, yeah, as you, as you mentioned, I suppose the overarching thing is um, my wife. I have two great kids and my son just told me the other day um, that his goal for 2020 or maybe 2021 is to be a published author. So now I've got to figure out, and he's eight. So I don't know what I'm going to do about that, but you know, whatever we can do to help make those goals come Show, show him how to self-publish and then it's a I done deal. Check that box. Yeah, yeah. So um, probably no surprise, but how people find you is KendraHall.com. Yeah. And uh, you want people to look for this on Amazon or yeah. your website? No, go to Amazon. Amazon right now has, I mean, I haven't looked today, but I think it's like sixteen fifty for a copy. So go to Amazon, get stories that stick. And then my 
favorite would be after you read it and only if you love it, post a review. No, if you don't love it, you can also post a review. <laughs> yeah, authentically review the book because, <laughs> um, you know what, that is the reward. I don't know if you get any out of that sixteen fifty. not much, but no. the reward is the reviews and perhaps even the occasional honest this was missing for me review stings, but yeah, it's valuable. But I imagine you're going to get all five stars. So it's been good. So there you go. Tell us a story because I was reading a story in your book about you're 12 years old and you're in the car with your family and you're taking this for the same five hour trip that you take every year up to the lakes of northern Michigan. And your dad's doing his thing and your mom's doing his thing and her thing and your brother's doing his thing. And some kind of miracle accident happened, which led to your life, Kendra. Yeah. And so will you tell that story? Yeah, of course. I, um, well, and I think that we all have those little, and that's what storytelling is all about is those little miracle accidents that that looking back make sense and become a part of the bigger story but whereas at the time you may not see it that way so so the story that you're talking about is one of the stops on my journey to becoming a professional storyteller yeah we i grew up in northern well i grew up in central minnesota minnesota Richard, not so Michigan. it's not Michigan. Big deal. At Minnesota. least you can say Wisconsin. So Land that's of okay. the lakes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And we did. We had this um, old Astro Star minivan. Um, nice. And it was a big deal when we bought this minivan because we, we grew up very modestly. Um, we bought this used minivan. I remember because there was a raisin in the back seat. And we were all like, this, there's somebody else has been in this car before. But nevertheless, I think my brother probably ate it. Um, this was the minivan that we traveled, we traveled in all the time. And one of the frequent trips we would make is up to our cabin in Northern Minnesota. Now the cabin was more of a shack. Um, we didn't even have an outhouse. We had an outbench. So there you go. But we loved going to this escape, this cabin, but it was a five hour drive on a good Minnesota day. And, and exactly as you said, when you're in a minivan, my parents were in the front seats. I was in the middle seat. My brother and sister were in the back seat. And we all had, we did the same thing every time. So my dad would turn on the radio and listen to either the Minnesota twins or the Minnesota Vikings, depending on the season. And I'm actually now looking back pretty sure that we scheduled our trips around game time so that my dad could listen to the games as we drove. So that's what my dad was doing. My mom was sitting in the front seat trying to read a book, but then she would intermittently complain because she had to read a book over the game that was playing. I would also be reading a book. I think the book I remember reading was um, Face on the Back of a Milk Carton. So any any uh, 80s, 90s kids will, will remember that. My brother was in the backseat and he would always listen to the Beach Boys on cassette just over and over. Well, we all we all fought over the Beach Boys, but he would listen to the Beach Boys and my sister always fell asleep. And so it would be the five of us all with various, you know, different backgrounds, different ages, different interests, all doing our own thing. Well, on one particular trip, um, <laughs> we were all doing our own thing. And then from the backseat came my brother and he just kept laughing, like 
like just just uh, just out loud like just random laughter and at first i was really annoyed because big sisters are supposed to be annoyed with their little brothers and then i was just downright confused because like what's so funny about help me rhonda i mean we he's heard the song before um and then and then i wanted to know what was going on like what was so funny that he couldn't contain himself and what it Turns out what had happened was my brother wasn't listening to the Beach Boys. He was listening to a cassette tape that was a recording from the National Storytelling Festival in Jonesboro, Tennessee, which is this festival that happens every October in this tiny, like no stoplight town in Tennessee. But for this one weekend, it floods with 15 thousand people rain or shine it can be freezing it can you can be melting and they put up these huge circus tents and they invite these storytellers in to tell their stories and this cassette tape was recorded at one of those festivals and so we all forced him to take the cassette tape out of his tape player and we put it in the um you know the cassette player for the whole minivan to hear and I remember it being like one of the most united times for our family where even my dad, you know, where sometimes he would just like tolerate what we were interested in. Even my dad was laughing and we listened to all of side one. And I think we got through almost all of side two before we arrived at the cabin. And I remember, you know, there... I mean, you know, like people are all different. Um, but in that moment, it was very clear that the power of a story is the ability to cross all of those different interests and perceived barriers to bring people together in that moment. So that was one of those, it was one of those stops on that journey. And as it turns out, when I was in high school, I entered this national storytelling competition. Yes, they have those. And I won the competition. And so the grand prize was you got to go and tell a story at the National Storytelling Festival. Wow. The very festival where I had heard that cassette tape. So here I am at the festival now, festival that I'd been listening to the cassette tape for years. And I'm hearing some of the storytellers that had just kind of become a part of my life. And over time, they became my mentors. They became my friends. One of the tellers on that cassette tape was uh, Donald Davis, who's phenomenal. He's amazing. He married my husband and I. He was our officiant. My son is named after his middle name is his namesake. Um, but yeah, it's one of those stops on that journey to where I am today. So, Kindred, a um, couple of questions. The, a minor one. What story did you tell at the storytelling conference? Oh, yeah. That's a good question. I told, so at the time, I was only telling uh, fairy tales. So I'm pretty sure I told the story of the three men in the wood, which is uh, Grimm's fairy tale about a princess and she goes and her evil stepmother makes her go out into the forest and then she comes across this hut with these three guys in it and they each give her a gift. And then the mother is mad and then she marries the prince and they all live happily ever after. 
So you told a story that you didn't write. Right. Which is actually an interesting point because for a long time at the beginning of my, of storytelling for me, I didn't really feel like, and I think this is part of the reason that I am so passionate about the work that I do. I didn't really feel like I had a story good enough to tell. Um, I loved what stories could do. I loved that stories brought people together. But the thought of telling my own story, I just kind of, I mean, what good was my, yeah, I mean, we bought a used minivan, but I lived a happy childhood. (laughs) There was a raisin in the back that could have been poisoned, I suppose. But, you know, we all lived to tell about it. Um, And I had, you know, the everyday challenges that at that time, you know, a senior in high school has. And, uh, but I didn't really think that my stories, I would watch other storytellers telling their stories of their own life. And um, I would wish to have stories that were good enough. And it was, it was years later that I realized that the small stories are often the stories that mean the most. I mean, of course, there are these stories of hu- overcoming huge struggles or, or very dramatic or huge triumphs or people that have accomplished incredible things. And it's easy to tell those stories. And it's also easy to think that if that isn't your story, then your story doesn't have value. Um, Or that you should wait to tell your stories until they're big enough. And I feel like that is a huge disservice, not only to humanity as a whole, but particularly in business. Those small real life stories of everyday struggle, that's what people relate to. and those are the stories that should be told. So, uh, in the art of direct selling, word of mouth marketing, mm-hmm. um, storytelling is—I mean, I, I think it's the most important skill and art that is yet—it's—it's it's not yet discovered. It's not taught. It's, it's, it's just overlooked. It's just assumed. Well, tell people your story. Yeah. It's the most valuable marketing tool all of us have. And yet there's so few people like you, if anybody like you, that's available to teach us, how do we actually tell our own story, whether it's about an experience with a product or, you know, why we're pursuing a particular opportunity or, or what happened to us in our life that's authentic, that can bring people together. Um, It's a huge opportunity in the word of mouth direct selling business to teach people how to honor their story as insignificant as, as they may think it is, and then how to tell it. And so I think you, I think you have a, a bright future in this, huge vacuum of, you know, where people just don't know how important it is or how to do it. Well, and I think that I'm your champion. Well, and that's what I think that they, um, we know we've all heard this, right? And I hear the quote, I never, I should say that I never say this quote facts tell stories sell. It's true. (laughs) It's true. But I feel like it's such a cop out to just say that and to just assume 
that that means that now people are going to be telling their stories or to assume that because you know that means that you will be able to execute on your stories. Um, so I think we all we all know we know that storytelling works, but we don't we don't go any further. We don't we don't go any further than that, and and particularly indirect selling, word of mouth, like this is stories are what people want to hear. Like this is, we buy the story, we buy, like we're watching and now more than ever with social media and all these opportunities to watch people's stories unfold from afar. You're, you're, if if somebody is telling a story, people will, if you're telling a story, people will listen to that story. They'll watch that story and then they'll want it for themselves. I mean, what better sales and, and, and actually, I want you know when I think back to finding storytelling for me, um, I remember there was a point in my life now as I was an adult, I'd worked in sales, I'd worked in marketing, and I just decided that I mean I was really frustrated because even in traditional business, sales, marketing, they still don't get it. They think they get it, but they don't get it. And I I wanted to quit, and so I called one of my storyteller friends and I said, "What do I need to do to become a professional storyteller?" And he was like, well, you need to develop a program for first through third graders, and you need to develop a program for fourth through sixth graders, and then you need to apply for different storytelling festivals, of which in the country, there are five. I was like, no, this, this is bigger than that. This is this is bigger than that. And And the point that I'm making is now with social media, now with Zoom calls, now with so many, I mean, there's a plus and a downside to social media, to, to all the technology. But the plus side is every day you have an opportunity to share a small story. And, and the, and I think that if we were to be more generous with our stories, not only would it be better for the people around us and the people who read them, but then it leads to better things for our business. Yes. And I, I know you probably observe this with great um, entertainment, but if you were to ask, you know, people in marketing, self-employed people, entrepreneurs, gig entrepreneurs, if you were to ask them to stand up in an audience or go ahead and go on social media, or maybe just ask them one-on-one, hey, you know, tell me a story about, you know, your product. How long would they be talking 10 minutes later? <laughs> and they probably wouldn't even tell a story. Right. <laughs> they probably wouldn't even all that. And they would be, and that's the big difference is we often talk about our products. We talk about what we do. We talk about the opportunity, but we don't tell the stories of what those products, what this opportunity has meant in our lives. And those stories happen in really small moments. You know, what happens in the moment where you were, uh, you know, like the, the holidays are really, let's, let's say it's a, it's a weight loss thing or a, a weight management situation. And the holidays are a really stressful time and you've got to get dressed and you have to go into your closet and every holiday season, you dread going into your closet because you just know that the clothes just aren't going to fit because of what has happened over the year. And now here you are. And then this year you had decided to take these products, engage in these workouts, become a part of this community. And you went into your closet and you pulled out a dress that didn't fit last year. And this year it did. And you went to the holiday party and you felt like a million dollars. 
And it's been a long time since you felt like a million dollars. I mean, weren't you just right there in my closet with me, which I did not invite you into my closet, but I did kind of <laughs> by telling you that story. Like those, like the stories of our products happen in those moments. And those are the stories that people will listen to that and be like, yeah, I want to go into my closet this holiday and put on a dress that fits for the first time in a long time. Right. It's like watching a really good mini movie. Mm -hmm. If it's well written uh, and well presented, well articulated, well emoted, we're there and we're part of it. Like we're, we have empathy for the story as opposed to just listening to noise. Exactly. Ad nauseum. Yep. And this is why I think what you're doing, Kendra, is such a huge opportunity for entrepreneurs because, you know, we tend to think selling is, well, I don't know what we think about it, but if we watch entrepreneurs selling, they're mostly just telling people what they should do. You should do that. You should buy this product. You should lose weight. You should, you yeah. should spend money. You should save money on your long distance. You should, you should live to be 120. You should take these products. You should drive a nicer car, right? It's all shoulds. Yeah. That's the most archaic form of selling on the right. planet. And that's way over here. And what's way over here is the art of storytelling and it's not accidental is it There's, no it's an art like your book somebody read your book what are they going to learn not if they read it once but if somebody read your book once and then they went back and read each chapter once like and studied each chapter and then they gathered a small team of their people who also were reading the book and they book studied a chapter every week and practiced and role played and actually assimilated the book. What would people learn from that? Oh, I mean that when I set out to write the book, I really wanted it to be the book that would change the way people thought about communicating in business um, and that they would never see a message the same way. Again, now it's not to say that storytelling is easy. It does take work. Just as you said, like it takes, it takes practice. It takes commitment. It takes trial and error, but um the way that the book is structured, it's really, it's in three parts. So the first part is building the case for storytelling. And I think it's important to build the case because like I said, it is going to require an investment. It'll, it'll require a shift in the way that you typically do things. And I don't know about you, but those shifts can feel uncomfortable. So I want you to know that that's really worth it. There's some great case studies in there and, 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 ads and messages that you likely have seen or heard about. And that's one of my favorite things is people will um, now send me pictures like on social media of them with their extra gum. Cause there's a whole case study in there about extra gum. I've actually had people buy cologne that I mentioned in the introduction. I had somebody send me a picture from Slovenia, which is in the intro chapter. They took a vacation 
to Slovenia after reading the book. So I don't, I don't think I get any commissions on, um, Slovenian tourism, but, but, but that, that it starts in that first part where you start to shift and identify and be able to see what a story really looks like. Also in that first part, I identify the four key components that a story needs to have, that a story needs to have to make it a story that makes it more compelling, more persuasive, more entertaining, more memorable. Because again, I didn't want to write a book that just said, you should be telling more stories. I, I, I feel like that book is out. I feel like that book has been written several times before. What I wanted to be able to do, what I wanted readers to be able to do is walk away from it with a checklist of things so that they had a blueprint or a measurement that they could look, look at the next time they tried to create a message. And then the second part of the book really identifies the four key stories that the four essential stories that you need in business. So it's the value story. I'm not going to, I'm not going to give it all away, but the value story that you need, like the value story are the, are, are your sales and marketing stories. And there's a lot of, there's a lot in there about that because those are some of the most important stories you can tell. Um, the founder story, we talk about the purpose stories, which those are stories for leaders because, and especially in word of mouth, direct selling, you know, marketing, it's not just about your ability to be able to sell. It's your ability to be able to lead and to help your team through their struggles, which is true in, in, in corporate America as well. Like the best leaders are storytellers. So there's a whole chapter on that. And then the last chapter is about the customer story, which interestingly, um, and this is a story for another time, but did you hear about the Peloton ad debacle? Of course. <laughs> yeah, everybody heard about it and and what it really was was a failed attempt at a customer story and and how important it is to reach out to your customers and hear their stories back. So that's the middle chunk of the book and then the last piece of the book is really is is really designed for people those different stopping points that people have. So like, I don't know what my story is. I don't even know how to find my story. Well, that's the first chapter in the third part. Here are all the different places to look for your stories. And it, it be, it's, it's a methodology. It's, it's easy once you know where to look for it. Then crafting, how do I craft compelling stories? And not only that, but like craft them for the different areas in which I would need to be telling stories, the different mediums. And then lastly, we talk about telling your stories. So I think one of my favorite things that I've heard is people, uh, people send pictures of like the book, just like entire pages highlighted, which, you know, if you highlight an entire page, it's not going to help you because you just got to reread the whole page or like a whole, but there you go. Like it's that kind of, um, I like seeing them all messed up and, and used and loved and utilized. So most of my audience, Kendra, not all, but most are entrepreneurs. Um, direct sellers, network marketers, you know, real estate people, mortgage people, people in the car business. So many good stories. (laughs) So so if you just isolate that person, what, what could you, what could you say uh, succinctly is the number one value? Let just speak to me. Okay. If I could learn, to tell, let's just say my product story. 
whatever it is I'm selling, if I could, my value story, if I could learn to tell that story in a minute or two in a way that got the dad, the mom, the brothers, and the sleeping sister <laughs> to all come together and be focused on the cassette player in the front of the car, absent the football game, absent the book, absent the Beach Boys. What's the value to me as an entrepreneur to own that art? I'm, I mean, I can't even, like, just, just what you, like, think about if that's what you were able to do, to have your message be irresistible, uh, that it isn't about getting people's attention, it suddenly becomes about having them give it to you, they, they look forward to hearing from you, that, that your ability to do that means, I mean, that is the foundation of building an empire right there. Like that is, and then, and all it takes is, I, I liken it to, you know, like rolling a snowball down a hill. And it can be slow at first or pushing a rock up a hill or snowball down a hill, but it, over time you start with a little story and people, you can see them respond to it and then you tell it again and then you tell it again and maybe you start incorporating some other stories and suddenly you become the storyteller and, and, and you won't be able to keep up with the ball and how big it is rolling down the hill. Because this is, we're so hungry for stories. Um, we're so desperate to be communicated with in that way that the people who really do it and are generous with it and are authentic with it and aren't just telling the stories about the product. Telling the stories about their lives and they're telling, because as entrepreneurs, I think this is also a really, this is something that I feel like is really important and can get missed in the entrepreneurial space, whether it is real estate, whether it is cars, whether it is direct selling is we focus on only talking about, we only want to tell stories that are going to sell something, right? We're only selling our product, but, but people are also buying you. They're, they're believing in you. They, they want to be a part of who you are. And so including stories in there that just have to do with your life. It's those people that can mix the balance of both. And I mean, I, so for me, myself, I'm an entrepreneur, right? I quit my job to become a professional storyteller. And nobody had any idea what that was. I didn't even know what that was. I I just knew that there was this thing that that I could do, and and now and it makes no sense. It makes no sense to just make. And now it does. Looking at it now, but back in the day, like I told one of my friends that I was going to teach people about storytelling, and she she said, "So did you really quit your job?" But I I, I mean that was. But over time, and and you know, when it comes to keynote speaking, because I tell stories, I get hired back on. So somebody asked me the other day, like, "How's your social media grown so fast?" They think I'm buying people, but I'm not. I'm telling stories, and that's what, and that's what works. So the possibilities are endless, and we are our best when we're telling our stories. That's when people are going to respond the most. So it, it's the it's the absolute best marketing tool we have 
by a factor of a hundred over the company's brochure or video or the website or, or all of that archaic, you should buy this product because approach. Or like the discounts or the. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's a, you know, that's not even marketing, right? (laughs) No, no, that's just cheating. That's That's the race to the bottom. (laughs) So, um, Kendra, do you have a story, um, like so much I could be asking you about? I'm thinking, you know, your title is Chief Storytelling Officer. But if you look at, you know, 10,000 or 100,000 or a million corporations around the world, they'll all have a Chief Marketing Officer and a Chief Sales Officer. And what is that? But how many of them have a Chief Storytelling Officer? What? If you change the culture, which I imagine is part of your vision, mm-hmm. so that every company had a chief storytelling officer that knew the art. Do you have a story about a company that had that epiphany that shifted their culture from traditional marketing to storytelling? Yeah, I mean, there. Yes, and whether it's uh, whether it's a company or whether it's the individuals, you know, w- within that company. Um, I had a client that I worked with. I did a keynote for several years ago, and um, an unsuspecting, you know, you have some of those, you have some of those audiences where it's just very obvious, like especially like the entrepreneurs, right? Like they're. Where it's very obvious that they're like, oh, I'm so into this. I can see. And this is a less obvious audience. And I ended up going back in and doing a little bit deeper dive with them. And in particular about their sales stories that they were, they had a whole sales force. And, and they said, you know, we have all the, we have all the data, we have all the facts, we have all the graphs, we have everything. And they were a great company. Um, But what we did is systematically went through their like what their big values are this is what we're about so they had like four of those their big differentiators and then we went through like the 10 key points like the things that when they were doing a sales pitch people really needed to understand and then their team that we were working together they had each one of those and then they were all assigned to go out into the organization and find stories things that actually happened that illustrated those different sales moments yeah, in beautiful and at the end of it you know they came back and they're like well this one thing happened but what it meant was they had to break down some silos like they were going and talking to customer service they were going and talking to to different pe- you know to different people in the organization and at the end of it we had this whole catalog of stories that they then turned into part of their sales training manual. So whenever somebody got to that point in the presentation, they would tell this story or that yeah. story. And I mean, and, and so that's on a that's on a company wide like a very systematic approach to it. I had a um, I had a gentleman actually write into me LinkedIn or Facebook, and he's also a volunteer firefighter, and he had. He had heard me at a company event, um, so storytelling was on his mind, and he 
encountered this incident where there was a woman inside a room that, and something they needed to get in there. Um, but she wouldn't let anybody in. She wouldn't let him in. And so the firefighter told her that he was the only, she's like, is it just you? Is it just you? And he said, yes, it's just me. Lied to her, which, you know, that's a difficult thing, but it had to happen. So she opened the door and a whole crew of firemen came in and other officials. And she was outright, like she, she was, and he said, can I tell you a story? And he told her the story of a colleague of theirs that had gone in without any backup and didn't come back out. And this is a part of their pro. And so, and then what ended up happening is she calmed down. She was asking questions about that story and they were able to do all the work that they needed to do. They got her into the ambulance, like everything, all because he deescalated the situation and worked to rebuild the trust with the story. So in big ways and small ways, I mean. Yeah. So uh, there's a piece of something you said there that um, resonates with, with something that I've found over the decades to be a magical um, diffuser, if you will, or, or transitional yeah. question to move somebody we're looking to sell out of the, you know, the filter, the skeptic, the, yeah. you know, well, I don't know, I'm going to have to assess all this information and to transition them in a matter of seconds to somebody who's open and curious by asking that simple question, can I tell you a story? Yep. I have found, Kendra, that, that it, what it feels like is that in a matter of a second, we move somebody from their mind looking to defend their position back into their childhood mm -hmm. where who they were being was just fascinated and curious. Yep. And wouldn't it be amazing if we could have every prospect just be fascinated and curious? I, I, I mean, we don't make those decisions. We don't make decisions based on logic. I mean, right. <laughs> we, we make them, we use the logic to, uh, you know, defend our decisions and justify our decisions. But yeah, if you can get them, to that place first. And again, that's where, that's where people want to be. Yes. Um, no, your stories need to be true. This is not an opportunity for right. abuse or falsifying information. Like they, right. they need to be true. Um, but a really beautiful thing happens. And then, and then the other cool thing that happens when you tell a story and this is how a storytelling mentor of mine, Donald Davis said that this is how you can really tell it's working is when they start sharing stories back to you. So if you start with the story and you say, can, you know, can I tell you a story? And you tell whatever story it is. And they say, oh, and then they start telling whatever related story it is back to you. They've, they're selling themselves at that point. And that's really, that's really where you want them to be. And what a beautiful place, because now you're just two people sharing stories instead of someone selling and someone not. Yeah. And then maybe as the sellers we actually learn something. We gain empathy as, as opposed to always being right. Yeah. We, we gain empathy because we're actually listening to somebody else's story as opposed to their position. Well, and to break down the assumptions I make about right. people, you know? Right, right. Hey, uh, I have a final question for you. 
Uh, it's a couple of little questions, but it goes back to your minivan story. <laughs> You're 12 years old. First question is, did it bother you? Did you notice that it bothered you or did it bother you that the family traveled in what we might call a disconnected state? No, I think that was just how we traveled. I mean, and I think, yeah, I think that and looking back, like we, we, and we would have like over, you know, we, we would have our other connected moments too, but I think that we can get used to just being disconnected and there's a time and a place for being disconnected, but. Well, the reason I asked that question is you talk in you telling the story, you, you shared that when the cassette tape came out of your brother's player and it got into the minivan player where everybody was listening, everybody put aside what they were doing and the stories captivated, brought everybody and what the word you used, Kendra, was united. Mm -hmm. It united people's attention. It united their spirit. It united their energy. And I wonder what kind of impact that had on you in that moment? I think in that moment, um, even at 12, I knew something interesting had happened. It was was interesting. And I mean, I think about, yeah, it was... um, it, it when I think about that memory and I picture it, there was like there was just this like brightness in the car, and uh, yeah. And it, you use the word united. Mm-hmm. That's your word. I, I mean, that's how it felt. How about <clears throat> storytelling can unite us. And boy, what do we need more than anything in the world today? Far beyond selling each other whatever we want to sell each other. I know. We need to be united. Well, and that's where where division comes from not knowing someone else's story. And, And also feeling like people don't know ours. You know, like they, why would that person act that way? Don't they know that this, this, and this today? Well, no, they, they don't. You didn't, you didn't tell them that. And so there's responsibility, dual responsibility to be sharing your story so that you can be understood. So people can have empathy and then also to be listening and always asking. It's not to always be asking for the story, the other side of the story that is there. It's always there. You just don't know it. Um, and what a beautiful thing it is to find it out. Kendra Hall, your work is a miraculous contribution to all of us, business, sales, marketing, entrepreneurs, society. I know you're just getting started. That has to excite you so much. You've had so much impact, but you're just getting started. Tip of the iceberg of the impact that you're going to have on business and humanity Stories that stick 
ladies and gentlemen, Amazon five star reviews. <laughs> I don't know. Consider this, listening audience. What if everybody on your sales team listened to this interview? What kind of shift do you think it would have on how they market, mm-hmm. how they build, how they relate to other people? Any parting words, Kendra? I mean, do you make all of your guests this emotional? I <laughs> this is just I mean, you know that I have been your fan for for over a decade. So to be sitting here with you is pretty surreal. So thank you for that. And thank you for helping me spread the message. You're welcome. Um I think I'm just getting started doing that. I <laughs> think so just getting started (laughs) hey everybody thank you for joining us for another global influencer interview spread the word share the good stories have a fantastic day thank you for joining us Thank you for joining us on this episode of Richard Bliss Brooks Network Marketing Heroes podcast If you are inspired and are ready to create your own success story, then it is time to take advantage of some of the top network marketing tools available. Pick up the top recruiting tool that has prospects saying, yes, the four-year career and the four-year career for women. Get your mindset right. Without a clear vision, success is lost. Check out the best-selling book on vision, Mach 2 with your hair on fire, Learn to think like a successful person with this step-by-step guide on how to break through your self-imposed limitations. Mach 2 Vision Training is a 90-minute four-part video training where you get Richard to walk you through crafting your vision. It's a must for anyone looking to step outside the box and hit the ground running. For 10% off your order, use the discount code HERO at checkout. If you're serious about building your business, make sure to subscribe to Richard's blog for all the latest tools and articles. This success story is not typical. It is meant to inspire you and show you what's possible. It is not what you should expect to accomplish. Your income will depend entirely on you, your commitment, your work ethic, your leadership, and your ability to acquire customers and inspire sales leaders to join your team. Most people who start off intending to build a sales team do not maintain their motivation to continue. 